I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with who was doing what deal and what day and at what time. It was, it was, it was chaos. Um, I think a lot of us were anticipating Black Friday starting way earlier, which is what we saw with all the promotions. What was interesting is that consumers, they didn't bite as much as everyone had thought. That new butterfly phone is mind-blowing. It looks insane. Um, it's always interesting who is pushing the envelope. It's never Apple. Is this is the death of the gaming console simply postponed, or is it greatly exaggerated? I know which camp I'm in. Uh, I think it's greatly exaggerated. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. My name is Gorsha Huchua, and I'm joined by my friend, Alex McNamara. Hello, Alex. Hello, Gorsha. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm doing well. How was your uh, day of Turkey? It was it was a feast to beyond all feast, feastables. <laughs> um, I did a I did a slow braised confit turkey legs in olive oil, um, which I cooked at 190 for 11 hours overnight, and then broiled under the broiler to get it nice and crispy, and it was delectable. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> I just set out to do like a homemade apple pie, and I'm still in the process of making it. I still, you're still going. <laughs> still going. So uh, you win Thanksgiving. It was it was a great it was a and then we had um, a rolled turkey breast with a sausage stuffing, um, and yeah, it was it was excellent. I just got off a Peloton. I just got off a Peloton bike, and I'm starving, and this is not making me feel any better. Well, you you went up me on the Peloton ride because I haven't been on a Peloton bike in maybe a month now. So let I let, let me remind you who, that you were the number one fanboy prior to you receiving that bike. Still, still a fanboy. Work got in the way, and yeah. uh, it it became very difficult to do both working East Coast hours and also Peloton rides. I uh, I'm not blaming you, man. Um, but uh, you had another uh, little thing that you were doing, which is. Uh, we spun up our website. Uh, we did. www.30minutecmo.com. And there is a really cool uh, uh, blog entry that you've put yep. up uh, about our last, basically related to our last show. Um, and I think people should go ahead, check it out because uh, some some good good thoughts coming out of that show that you put on paper or on screen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to, to putting more blog entries up there on the, on the website. Um, when we have our, our interviews or after this, we always come up with more things that we talk about when we stop recording and we want to kind of get those down on paper. You know, a lot of good thought starters, um, thought meanderings, which is um, really, really interesting. So yeah, we've got the website now. Go check it out. Awesome. Well, uh, let's jump into the topics that we have saved up. We skipped last week uh, uh, because of Thanksgiving and all the other things piling up. So there's quite a bit that's happened. Uh, I'm going to lead off, um, unfortunately, sad news. Um, it's been reported that Tony Shea, the founder of Zappos, um, tragically died in a fire. Um, and obviously, this is uh, something that was... Um, a shock to most and a premature, very premature passing. Um, you know, and I keep thinking, I read his book a while ago uh, and uh, it really touched the nerve, um, especially around building a customer-oriented culture, customer service-oriented culture. I think Zappos was really famous for um, making this um, 
an approach worth imitating. And um, I just wanted to kind of say that uh, as much as that book is referenced, as much as that approach is kind of name checked, I've yet to find um, large companies who have truly been able to take that concept that he pioneered and really implement it at scale. And I'm not sure if this is just my limited kind of interaction with um, with customer service in general. I wanted to see if you have um, found other companies that have done a great job of, uh, of making their business a customer-centric business. Um, I mean, we've covered this quite a lot in our podcast before i think for me the um the more like luxury and um fashion retail sites like mr porter springs to mind when it comes to customer service because um free shipping obviously but free returns you can get a hold of someone on the phone really quickly and they will sort stuff out for you um they're really good at that it's like they make it really easy for you to go on the chat um, call them up, um, be really great at making sure you have a good experience. And it's even like the small things like your, the, the package comes and it's not just like thrown in with some of the air, air pockets. It's like, you know, wrapped, it's got the nice sticker on it. It sometimes comes in the fancy box. Um, it's like, it, it makes it feel like an in-store purchase rather than just someone just threw it in, in a, in a warehouse somewhere. You know, if you look at like Uniqlo when they send you stuff, it's like still in the straight off the conveyor belt at the factory packaging, thrown into another package and then th thrown into the post. Right. So, you know. yeah, I, um, you know, that's a good shout. And I think we actually did name check a couple of companies before. Uh, in addition to Mr. Portal, Amex is famous for great customer service. You know, I think I've mentioned T-Mobile. I think in all cases, the cue they take from Zappos is uh, empowering their agents to actually uh, make decisions based on uh, what they feel is right versus following strict protocols. Um, and I think that creates uh, stickiness, you know? So um, it's, it was sad news. Um, it's, a, it's a great company now, part of the Amazon empire, but definitely um, a man who had a lot of potential to still uh, bring positive change and um, passed all too early. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's a, that's a sad one to start with. Uh, I did want to also touch on, obviously, we are recording this on Cyber Monday. We just uh, went through Black Friday. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about what we liked and didn't like um, in terms of promotions, in terms of communications. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised with, um, again, one of my favorites, Old Birds. They just completely went in the different direction. Uh, they are known for uh, their stance on trying to reduce um, needless consumption, even though they are an apparel brand. Uh, and what they did was they raised prices by a dollar. Um, they sent a newsletter out to their subscribers saying that we are raising prices by a dollar. We don't want people to uh, overshop. And if you do buy uh, this dollar and a dollar that we put on top to match it is going to go towards uh, environmental charitable causes. So I thought that was a really good stance to take and um, in the noise of discounts, make a positive positive statement. So that was a, that was a good one. Um, I want to see if your experiences with Black Friday were any different than from previous years. I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with who was doing what deal and what day and at what time. It was, it was, it was chaos. And it was good chaos because there was some good deals out there. But I think like before it was like Black Friday, you know, like that it would, the deals would start on Friday. Now right. it's like they start 
a week before, a month before. Like I don't even know when the best deals were because it seemed like it as the week progressed, some some brands were going up with their deals, like more percent off. Some are going down with their percent off. Like is it does Black Friday um, deals are they also Cyber Monday deals? Do they switch around? Like what deal who has what deals and when if there's a site that does the aggregation of all the deals and when and the best prices i need that site but like that that's basically my inbox was flooded up until thursday um and then friday it's ranked up again and it was just like who what is going on was basically my takeaway from it because like i don't know do, do you get a deal on thursday that you don't get like on friday that you don't get on thursday that you don't get on saturday like what is what's happening yeah uh i would wake up every morning uh starting wednesday basically and the promo tab on my gmail would have more emails than i probably received in a month with everyone just trying to tell me that this is the best sale ever i um i have to say though being in this business um myself um i think a lot of us were anticipating black friday starting way earlier, which is what we saw with all of the promotions. What was interesting is that consumers, they didn't bite as much as everyone had thought. Uh, they really flocked to uh, the stores, to online stores on Friday itself. And so all of the all of the lead up, and I guess the experience may vary by company, but all of the lead up uh, that we were hoping to experience sort of didn't materialize it really materialized on fridays it speaks to this uh, behavior that's i think been ingrained it's kind of a post thanksgiving tradition you wake up on a friday having glutted yourself out uh the day the day before and you go and shop and i think people just are conditioned at this point um despite yeah. all of the changes we've gone through this year so the spike on friday yeah. was um was as before what were you shopping on? Tablet, mobile, computer? All. I mean, All depending, depending on, but you know what? It's actually interesting. Um, there were so many overlapping promotions for the same brand. So for instance, um, if you received uh, a discount, uh, a coupon or whatever, a, a newsletter from one of the brands saying uh, 25, 30% off, 50% off, whatever, I, I would then go on my Amex offers app um, and see if they were also double dipping there. And a lot of them were. So like if like wine.com, for instance, um, oh, they had yeah. a discount on, uh, on offers, uh, you know, spend a hundred, get 10 bucks off. And it didn't matter if you were using a coupon, then they had a $30 off, like 150 coupon. Um, and then if you actually shopped through like an airline mileage mall, uh, they would give you like six points on a dollar spent. So you could like triple dip on all these promotions and some of it you could only do on your computer because that's only where it worked. So I would park myself in front of the computer and actually do it. I I'm you expecting had, you had a workstation up going. Exactly. I mean, I'm expecting uh, to when flying is a thing again, like this, yep. these wine.com purchases are going to take me somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> wine.com though. I, you never buy anything full price on wine.com because they, they always have a sale they always have a, a discount. They always have something on. And those guys are relentless. Yeah. You go in there and you look at one wine, you're going to get emails for the next week with the yeah. wine that you looked at, the different wines that you might like, a discount code to go back and buy those wines. Like they are relentless. Jeez, and they have spent money on that site. 
Yeah, well, unfortunately for them, uh, they did not they did not follow the gospel of Tony Shea because when I had to call up their customer service and uh, and ask them to alter one of my orders, it did oh, not no. get altered. My uh, my wine oh, no. shipped to my old address, and I had to go and recover it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, it's uh, we're still in the midst of Cyber Monday, and I see that it's not obviously quite as quite as robust as Black Friday was. But uh, I am feeling fatigued from all the sales. God. I mean, I, I, I like, there was some stuff that I was eyeing up that I needed to, to get, I say needed, I wanted to get, and I was just waiting for the sales to start so I could see if what I wanted was on sale. And I, you know, I saved like, you know, 30 bucks here, 50 bucks there. Um, and now I'm ready to not look at another sale again for a while or get an email about a sale because that would be great. I know you've complained about this before travel companies doing bad sales American Airlines, yeah. they're on my naughty list. They sent me an email saying, buy a full price ticket now and get 10% off of a future pur- purchase. Like what? Wow. That's 10%. 10%. The in the fu- yeah. I don't want to fly now, let alone like this is not compelling. This is not does, compelling. Does, does 10% make you want to fly now and later? <laughs> Neither. It does. It makes me want to fly on another airline. Oh, yeah. Well, talking of Black Friday, traditionally known for electronics, yes. what we've been seeing recently from an electronics company has been really interesting. And I'm talking about design um, specifically, because have you noticed that in the last 10 or so years um, for phones, they've all basically looked the same? Like they have different buttons in different places. Maybe there's a bevel, maybe there's a rounded corner. But for the most part, rectangle, big screen, button. What I've seen and and what I've seen, like, and Samsung had been really blazing the way and also Motorola, but the technology for the foldable screens has meant that they've been able to like really think about what a phone is and what it looks like and how you use it. Because mm-hmm. I was in a Best Buy a couple of weeks ago and that new butterfly phone is mind-blowing it looks insane i mean and you and it's like it's full screen on the front and you open it up mm-hmm. and there's like a like a 10 inch screen inside and it is it, it's seamless it looks incredible and then you've got like the motorola razor that you know like you know coming back that still full screen inside looks incredible then if you look at the the um the laptops now you know very boring for you know, other than maybe the ThinkPad back in the day with like when they had the small model and the little keyboard popped out. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of like really different approaches to design, but like the Lenovo ThinkBook Plus, this is super cool. E-ink screen, screen on the front. Mm-hmm. So on the top of the lid where, you know, your Apple logo would go, your Dell logo would go, they've got a E-ink screen, which you can write on. So you can read PDFs, you can um, you can mark up stuff or just like read the newspaper on the top of your laptop without opening it up. And like think about that from like you're in a meeting, you've got your laptop with you, you don't want to be distracted. So you can like write on a PDF, you can write your notes down, open up your laptop later and have all your notes. This is super cool. And then the Acer um, with the screen in the... Um, in the base, like the base, like where the key, the keyboard is. So mm-hmm. the keyboard gets shifted to the front and there's another screen there 
So it's like an extension of your screen. You can dual screen. I think you can try screen. Is that a thing? Um, but it's basically um, an additional viewing area, markup area, which is like changes again, changes the game. Bad point about that. No terrestrial wrists when you're typing. That could be super annoying. But the way that um, the technology has progressed in order to allow these design changes has been really great. And it's like, like this is just the beginning. Like it's taken 10 years for technology to catch up with where we want to go with, with our devices. Like what happens now? Like where do we go next? And, you know, Apple's always like three years behind, four years behind on Samsung. So like, what is the, the refined design going to be for the butterfly or the razor style? Will they introduce an e-ink screen on the MacBook? Probably not. But, you know, like these new design things have been really interesting to see come out because we haven't had it in a while. Yeah, um, it's always interesting who is pushing the envelope. It's never Apple. Um, I, I think Apple waits to see if the consumer um, really catches on to these types of innovations. Um, Samsung obviously is a big player. And so uh, they've been experimenting with these butterfly phones. I've been watching um, videos with with the different reviews. I think they're on their second uh, generation of these butterfly phones at this point. Um, yeah, the I mean, first one you could open and close 400 times and it would break. So, <laughs> you know, they had to make it better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, companies like Motorola, uh, you know, I think they're, you know, their market share is like zero. Um, so they, uh, they're probably just trying to do anything to to get attention. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, you said you went to Best Buy, you played around with uh, foldable phones. Do you Did you notice, like, did you experience some utility with that, that uh, you felt like, ah, oh, I could really like do more things than I can do now? Well, I, I thought, I think with the, um, with the Motorola one, with the Razer, with the ads that come along with it, because it's folded and it's quite thin, I could really see like, someone who doesn't want to carry around a big phone, like like how Apple had just introduced the um, the mini, um, where you're going to regress from having a large profile, but still want the large screen. So I could see that that taking off, that becoming more widely adopted. If you can have like a, a full touch screen on the front of the phone for you know, limited use, quick response to messaging, kind of like how you would use an Apple Watch mm -hmm. um, screen, but on the front of your phone. Um, but then, uh, with the butterfly, if you, if you do like read some of the, the use cases that they've got, um, you know, you can have it. So it's like 90 degree angle and you've got, you know, a panel of video call and then a second screen of, you know, other things you can do. So like, if you start to use it, you know, as a div, as a sort of a more of a communication device or something that you can use big screen to watch. And play games on, but also it's more functional from a um, from a like a, a communication point. Like I, I can see it being um, something that takes off. And if, if they can if they can get the profile to be slimmer, and you don't have the gap in between on the fold, yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be something that that will come out almost I, like back in Nokia when they had the the flip uh, with the full keyboard on it. You know, the, um, I saw a, a review of the LG Wing, which is a swivel uh, phone, and it's, it's kind of forms this T-shape with um, a, like two different aspect ratio screens. And some of the use cases they basically presented was 
you could watch your full screen like Netflix or YouTube video on the main screen. And then the smaller screen, you could um, like type uh, type messages or um, actually like yeah. um, get additional information. I think of the video, I think f- for me, it'll be the support of the app developers. If yeah. there is a, you know, if there is enough of that, uh, then these will become something. If there's enough utility, you know, with YouTube and Netflix and Spotify and all of the major app providers, uh, I just don't see it because the right now the direction these hardware companies are taking are so non-uniform. Like LG is doing this, Samsung is doing that. Um, you know, Apple is sticking to its own thing, obviously. So, will they will they provide enough good apps? For this thing to be for these things to be useful it seems like the um, the folding screen thing will will stick around for a while but i keep thinking yeah. back to uh those 3d tvs that were a thing hmm. about a decade yeah. ago um no content providers really uh bought on and so there wasn't really any content to watch and they just sl- died a slow death cool tech yeah didn't great really tech. go anywhere yeah i mean it's it's just it's just really interesting to see how they're all pushing the boat on on new designs you know maybe maybe it's the second screening in front of your tv with your phone that's leading to the ability to second screen like i i feel like having used the ipad um with the two apps open i kind of want to do that with my phone sometimes where you've got like you know an email and you need your notes or you've got like two things that you want to do that you're watching something and you want to take notes or you're, you know, you're writing a message, but you want to watch a YouTube video. So you know what you, you have got to do. So it's, it's kind of like multitasking and, and aiding that, which will be, um, which is what I'm kind of looking at. Let me ask you a quick question. How often do you yeah. use your uh, fancy Apple pencil? Um, sometimes mainly, you know what, you know what, there's two, there's two use cases for it. One, when I'm trying to draw, and I draw very badly, so that's not often. Two, when I'm eating a bacon and egg sandwich and I don't want to get grease all over my screen. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know what? I some, Someone in the Apple design studio probably just died a quiet you, death. You were not expecting that answer. <laughs> <laughs> they were not envisioning well, that $100 thing to be used for your greasy fingers. But but the new, the new um, update that came out where you can write your um right in the the text fields when you're filling out a form yeah that's really useful i use it for that that's when i don't have it attached to the keyboard but you know so it's it is useful i use it all right um we got we got a little uh a little um toy that dropped uh on us yes recently. want to tell us your 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 favorite car land or defender it's it's just been revamped. It looks incredible. Well, it got revamped a year ago. It looks incredible. Um, they are they're they they've got the um, deposits out, so they're very expensive. Now, if you couldn't afford a Land Rover Defender full size, you can now buy a Land Rover Defender Technics for a fraction of the price. Hundred fifty bucks will give you a box of plastic bits that allow you to build your own Land Rover Defender gas tank included spare wheel included it looks mega it looks gimme really cool or gimmick totally a gimme oh my god you you gonna you gonna do it 
Well, I mean, p- part of me wants wants someone to, someone else to do it for me, and then I'm the beneficiary <laughs> of it. Uh, I think it's a look. I think it's a great. Um, I think it's a great brand building thing by uh, Land Rover. I mean, if if you were a if you're a fan of the brand, uh, you want to have this thing. If you can't justify buying the vehicle, you know, for whatever reason, it's such a cool collectible item to to have. You know, it's not going to be out there for too long. Um, I've been, um, I mean, you know, I wanted to buy the Defender when I first heard that it was coming out. Ultimately, I decided to, oh, yeah. uh, to go in a different direction. Uh, but I mean, for 150 bucks, this, this, this little thing is as expensive for a toy as the Defender is expensive for a, for a car, maybe, <laughs> even, maybe even more so, but geez, I want that thing. I mean, I, I think it's great. I think it, it, it taps into every mid thirties person who grew up on Technics, who know who like grew up on the Land Rover Defender being one of the coolest cars ever made. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, do you want a do you want to build a Technics again and build it in a really cool thing? Hell yeah. Hell yeah I do. I definitely I, want to uh, do that. I mean I I mean the the number of children inner children and grown adults is mind-boggling like everyone yeah. i've shared this with has been like oh i really really want that thing <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think i think the price point is just enough that it's a bad idea like yes. if it was if it was like 95 dollars, oh. or maybe i mean like maybe maybe like a little bit less i would have done it like 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 that done like in. yeah but, but you know what? Fifty bucks is just a little too much to justify to your wife why you bought a Lego kit, even though it's not a Lego kit; it's a tennis kit. Do you know what though? Like, if it gives you as much pleasure as a couple of bottles of uh, of, of Bollinger Champagne, which you will not blink twice, uh, you know, before you buy, you know, why yeah. not? Why not? I mean, it, it, you can put it on your desk and your mantle in your office. Yes, um, it's a great talking point on your Zoom calls when you're having important meetings. You know. I, I think I, I think, think it's actually an investment in your career opportunity and career growth. I think um, I think the best thing to do because you mentioned wives is to have dudes gift these things to each other and then say it's not for me, it's for my friend. Just as, so long as you know that your friend is doing the same gift back. Smart. I like that. Right. I like that. That's a top well, tip. That's a top tip for our listeners. <laughs> That's a top tip. Gift it. Gift it to your friend for Christmas and birthday and won't think twice about it. Or your favorite podcast, uh, podcast host. Or your favorite podcast host, exactly. Um, um, yeah. Other games, um, PS5 released, Xbox um, also released. Um, global phenomenon in the age of COVID. Do you remember when COVID first started? No. And uh, it was so long ago. It was both yesterday and a million years ago. But you couldn't buy a PS4 for love nor money. And, um, you know, everyone's holed up at home. This couldn't have come at a better time for Microsoft and PlayStation and Sony. Um, they've both been going out. I mean, like, apparently the first day sales was Carnage, online fist fights, you know, the works. Um, but is this is the death of the gaming console simply postponed or is it greatly exaggerated and i know which camp i'm in uh i think it's greatly exaggerated i'm in the same camp 
you know, um, I, I, I would have given you a different answer uh, prior to COVID had this happened because uh, I, I sort of felt that who wants to sit at home and, and do this, but like the answer is, is, is right there, everyone. Uh, and everyone's going to have these now and everyone's going to be a, a grand in with all the games and all the accessories. This is another decade of consoles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think, I really don't think you're going to get the, the death of the console quite, um, quite as dramatic as that because VR is definitely not good enough or adopted enough to people actually take it seriously. I don't think I, I really don't think people want to put on the goggles and want to be in in a you know 360 world which they can't get out of without taking the goggles off. But like gaming is like people love gaming. Yeah. Generations. My dad plays Call of Duty. He loves it. It's one of his favorite hobbies to do. I love playing. I just like it's just something that everyone enjoys doing. The community that you get both online irl when that happens again um but like playing you know four player together on your sofa playing fifa together playing online with your friends like it's it's a it's a great bonding experience especially if you've got headsets that you can shout at each other but it's like it's it's fun and then like playing on your own like the they, the the games that are coming out with the open world and like hours and hours and hours of like side missions that you can do and the gamification of the games with all like the little trophies you can get for weird things that you can do you can spend you can spend months playing a single game and it's brilliant and it's just like being involved in a in a movie in a story it's just it's just one thing that i don't think will ever go away you know i'm um i'll be controversial here maybe i don't love the uh, I don't love to play against other people, especially people I don't know, like over over the network. Um, it's it becomes too competitive. Some people spend way too much time. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just not fun. You get like if it's a it's a if it's a first person shooter, you just get killed before you even get your bearings. You know, for for me, it's the games with storylines, or it's like sports games like FIFA or NHL that um, yeah. you can play either against the system or like in real life, like you said, against your friends. I think that's yeah. a super enjoyable, fun thing to do. Um, takes me back to when I was a teenager growing up, um, you know, FIFA, NHL, like Call of Duty, the, you know, yeah. Warcraft, Starcraft. Those were the games that we were playing. It was so much fun. Yeah, I think I think with when when games are, you know, producing, you know, story games, but they're very heavily weighted to the multiplayer online. Then I think that's when you start to lose the fun of, of the you know, the creation of the worlds and the games that, that you get to play. Like, you, Call of Duty is great. The like you know the the Modern Warfare was was brilliant when it came out. You know what's that like 10, 10 years ago? More yeah. than that. Um, more than that. Jeez. Um, but but now they're just pumping them out and it's all about multiplayer with just like small tweaks in um in weapons and maps and and perks and things and it's not the they're not as fun like you just can't you can't play the same thing over and over again and i've done it but i'm really missing the single player story spending multi multi hours in an open world it's you know, that's kind of where they should be going back to not call of duty specifically but the development of you know, non games. online only um uh worlds 
Yeah. Um, you know, I love the PS5, by the way, their uh, um, campaign when they released it. I don't know if you saw, but in London, when they they took the uh, the underground uh, yes. signs and they changed them to yes. the to the controller uh, buttons. Oh, so cool. Was, Such was, a genius stroke. It was so brilliant. It was like it was so simple. It was staring at you in the face and like you got mad because it was it wasn't you who thought of it but you are so happy that someone did think of it because it's Oxford Circus and there's four entrances to Oxford Circus tube station in Oxford Circus, four yeah. main ones. And I think each of them replaced the, the traditional circle with the underground in the middle. And they had the square, the X, the triangle and the circle. Yeah. And it was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. This is this th- that this campaign um, is basically the epitome to, uh, of good advertising. I feel like you see this from time to time, yeah. and it's so simple. Like you said, it's staring you in the face. You want to go and hug the creative who who thought of this because yeah. it's it just says thank you for being a classic advertising person. Like this is a brilliant campaign. Everyone immediately knows what this is about. Um, it yeah. makes you really just want to go and pay attention to to this new release. Like to me, yeah sitting here in LA, seeing that I, I was just grinning year to year. Yeah, I was, I was, it was great. It was so great. I want to know who did it. We should get them on the podcast. It was brilliant. Um, all right. Well, for our last one, uh, Slack. I want to talk about Slack because yeah. um, we, uh, we use Slack a lot. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's been a standalone company ever since its, its inception. Uh, it is, heavily rumored to be up for sale and it seems like salesforce is circling to buy it and yep you know it's not it's not the, the news of salesforce buying slack that's that i want to discuss it's the fact that um the reason they are for sale is because they did not really pivot to video um as quickly uh and as i guess as robustly as they as they probably should have and they so completely missed out on this surge that zoom and teams have experienced, uh, Microsoft teams have experienced as we went into lockdown and work from home situations. And speaking of advertising, I remember when Microsoft came out um, several years ago and they said, you know, we're going to develop a competitor to Slack called Teams. Slack, and we're going to give it away for free to anyone who uses Office 365. And Slack took out this um, full page ad in the New York Times and the founder of Slack basically said, you know, we welcome the competition but Slack is always going to be better because it was designed, you know, for purpose and basically kind of left the whole thing off. And man, when I heard the news that they're up for sale, it made me think about that ad. And it's just another case of like a company that just did not, not even innovate. They just did yeah. not evolve fast enough. Um, I know yeah. you, uh, I know you're a Teams user, you used to be a Slack user. Do you, I mean, tell me what your thoughts are. Well, well, I think, I, I think I think what what they didn't do was they didn't think about how people collaborate and and to be fair I haven't used Slack in 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 the COVID era, but when I moved from Slack to Teams I was it was jarring it was a jarring experience because it's it's built differently, but as soon as you figure it out it's it's such a better system to use because Slack what I and I think this is for me this is where I would never go back to Slack is there's no live um, documents. So you can't upload a document like you can in Teams. Like, and this is where I think Teams is, does re, being part of Microsoft, it was built 
to handle all of this. You know, you upload a, a Word doc or a presentation into the, your team's channel and everyone in that channel can work on it together. Uh, so you're able to, you know, have three different media teams work on different tactics in the same presentation whilst you build out the front strategy section and everyone can review it at the same time. You know, there's, there's, there's definitely disadvantages to that when people accidentally delete slides or on purpose delete slides that shouldn't be deleted. Um, but what it does save is multiple decks being uploaded, people forgetting which deck is which, people sending you as the deck collector um, you know, four different versions that you have to then piece together, re-upload it for them people to make changes and send back to you. And it's just, it's a hassle. And Teams does it really, really well. They put it, you can do everything in the same, the same window. You've got your video conference, you've got your calendar, right. you've got your channels, you've got your documents. It's brilliant. And I just don't, I think Slack basically went, oh, hell yeah, this is, this is us. This is our time. Everyone's going to want to get some of us because you know, we're the number one, uh, we're the number one, you know, communication system for all these companies. And then he went, well, actually no, because other people do it better. It's like Slack did have video, but that's all it did. It didn't do anything else. It was a separate system that didn't connect to the rest of your, you know, your work world, which Teams does exceptionally well. But also when Teams when when teams figured out it got it didn't have the same things that zoom had like you could only have six people in your video conference mm -hmm. and if there were 10 12 20 you couldn't scroll between them you couldn't see who else was on whereas zoom there's pages and pages of people so when they figured that out they brought out two new versions of you know gallery view and together view and i was like yeah it took a couple of weeks maybe a couple of months but they got there Whereas, you know, and I haven't used Slack, I don't think that they've done anything like that. And it just, you know, Teams being a Microsoft company and being a really like old school, slow moving company managed to get that out quick with, for, to be able to be used how you needed to work now. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, Slack is a one show, one trick pony, right? Like it's, um, it's not yeah. a true collaboration tool. It's also hard to um, use it for uh, outside their organizational purposes. So if you need to, to have a call with external people, Teams allows you to do that. Zoom allows you to do that. Slack doesn't allow you to do that. And, um, you know, I think they, in, in the startup circles and in many of the younger companies there, it's still a sort of a byword for, um, intra-team chat and yeah. um you know it's probably i mean it's, it's going to remain relevant i think salesforce um if they do end up buying them i want to see what the implementation strategy is because what what will slack complement that they have uh in the way that will make them as appealing as maybe uh, microsoft's offering with teams um, i haven't thought too much about it i'm sure there's some integrations that they can have with salesforce the proper crm software maybe some of the other things they have but ultimately i think it's um it's just a case of a company that's that did not innovate um quickly enough and they went from being like the darling of the b2b world to yeah. uh sort of like maybe not to the extreme but sort of like what happened to blackberry um a while ago yeah I mean, I, I think 
what Slack does do intercompany. Like we used it on one of our clients, but it's really hard to use. Like it's really complicated to set up. It I means not complicated. It's just a hassle to set up. But it, you're right. It doesn't do external. It doesn't allow you to be um, your your you know your one stop shop. Your hub for yeah your hub your your command center your war room for your own personal work day, and it was a tool. It wasn't your you know it wasn't your hub, and you used it to get things done. You didn't you didn't need it to you know to run your day. So yeah, it just it just felt like they didn't do anything and. Yeah, you know, Microsoft somehow, you know, out out startup to the startup, and they're not bad at that. So, um, so we'll see we'll see what happens with uh, with with Slack. But um, that is uh, that is that. I think this wraps up our uh, ad talk. Uh, good, yep. good discussion. Uh, more to come next week, and uh, remember to visit our website, our new website, a website that's going to have more thoughts and ruminations from Alex and myself. Uh, www.30minutescmo.com and uh, we'll talk to you guys later.